Hello and welcome to Into the Basement. This is Jessica Hanna. And I'm Adrian Hanna. And tonight we're going to talk about murder. murder. We are going to talk about murder. We haven't talked about murder in a couple of, in a while. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. Um, And it's pretty interesting. I mean... I'll take your word for it. It's actually kind of a me too story as well okay um so does that mean it's recent no okay it's just like a very if these women had a if these women were alive today oh they're alive today but i know what you're saying yeah. like it's it's just in a if, different if in a different hap- time this if this would had not happened have... today there it would have definitely been hashtag me too yeah absolutely gotcha so, um all right so let's get to it um on December 26, 1997, Dawn Hackney was found dead in a house fire. Okay. As police... We're just getting right into it. We're getting right into it. It's the murder, like, up front. I'm giving you a murder right away, all right? Well, geez. Sorry, babe. <laughs> well, I'm giving you a death right away. As police investigated, they believed that her death had been an accident. Or had it. Despite her having no smoke in her lungs. Okay, that, uh, that, well, okay, whatever. I mean, that well, seems suspicious, the, but, like, that's, like... They thought that uh, her layering, that a flash fire had ca- been caught. There was some evidence that I'll get into later that they thought caused her larynx to close. They thought a flash fire caused her larynx to close and that no smoke would get in. Gotcha. Um, because it looked pretty, it looked pretty accidental. Yeah. Um, what they didn't know, the police... Was that she'd been murdered. Well, was that Dawn's youth pastor husband, Nick was engaged in behaviors that would ultimately lead to not only his downfall, but the crumbling of a church and the devastation of many lives. So Don was born Don Tienhara. Tienhara? T-N. T-I-E-N-H-A-A-R-A. Tienhara. Um, On December 5th, 1969 in Seattle, Washington. She was raised in nearby Bremerton by her parents, Diana and Donald. Okay. She was the oldest. Wait, her name is Dawn? Yes. And her parents' names are? Are Diana and Donald. Diane and Don. Diana and Donald. Don and Dawn and Diana. And then all of her brothers have D names too. Oh boy, yeah. I have I have feelings about about families that do that, but we don't we don't need to get into. I went that. actually went to high school with a guy whose whole family had our names, and they were really nice people. But I also have always thought that was ridiculous. Um, I have a friend whose parents named them all something with the, that started with the same thing, but their parents aren't that, so it works better. <laughs> right. But whatever. So. Yeah, she's the oldest of four, and all of her brothers have D names as well. I didn't write them down because I thought, to be honest, I didn't think you were going to notice that, but then you <laughs> noticed it, and so now I feel bad for not writing down those names, but just know that it's all Ds. Um, so by all accounts, Dawn was kind and thoughtful and smart, and she even actually made it to the Scripps spe- National Spelling Bee, okay. which is the National Spelling Bee that's done on the White House Rose Garden lawn. Yeah. The one that they call the National yeah, Spelling like Bee. Like the yeah. National Spelling Bee. And she got to meet President Ronald Reagan, so good for her. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty big deal, even if when you're a kid, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's the president, right? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, when you're a kid, you don't care. Somebody's don't like, care. hey, it's the president, and you're like, cool, it's... A tall man in a suit. (laughs) So when she graduated high school, she was co-valedictorian. And it appears that her family was religious. And I only really say this because later on, we're talking about she married a pastor. And also she went to uh, Northwest Bible College. Okay. um, Which apparently is nicknamed Northwest Bridal College. (laughs) Uh, So everyone that goes there goes there for their MRS degree? Yes, I would say. Okay, gotcha. But it was there that she met Nick Hackney. Nick Hackney had a bit of a rough start in Pullsbow, Washington, near Bainbridge Island. 
Born on May 20th, 1970, he an incident happened early in his life that would clearly define the trajectory of his life. And what incident is that? Uh, Nick was an infant, like doesn't say how many months old he was, but he was still an infant when he began gasping for air. Okay. Okay. Uh, his parents quickly got him into the car to drive him to the hospital, but his dad didn't think that they were going to make it. And he thought his kid was going to was going to die. Mm-hmm. So he pulls off onto the side of the road and he starts praying to God that he starts praying and he says, God, if you let my son live, you can have him. He's all yours. Da, 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 da. So he essentially gives God his son in exchange for his son's life. He says, you be his father. Please don't let him die. And then a moment later, Nick started breathing again. I was going to say that that seems like a pretty rational thing to do, but I mean, it's not rational, but it, it makes sense, you know? Hey, it's, I'm all it's, for prayer. It's a very, it's a very irrational thing to do, but it absolutely makes sense. I mean, you don't want your child dying, Yeah, you're right? going to do whatever you can to get, make it so your kid doesn't die. I mean, I, and there I are worse that. things yeah. to do than be like, hey, to the, to our, to the, to the, uh judeo-christian god because they really don't make you do anything like wild you know right you just have to like not be a dick for the rest of your life kind Mm -hmm. of stuff um so (laughs) maybe because of this story that he continually heard throughout his childhood or maybe because he just was drawn to it um nick spent more time as he got older reading the bible uh learning its meaning looking through trying to decipher what it what it meant to him stuff like that Mm -hmm. and eventually he decided to answer god's calling and focus on becoming a preacher so he went off to northwest bible college he was a gregarious guy nick unlike don who's very quiet and sweet um but he was also a bit over the top a bit pushy, a bit obnoxious. People call called him a tryhard. You know, you everyone like knows. to arm wrestle a lot. I don't know. I don't, maybe it could be. He was a very touchy guy. People said it's cool. It's cool that you didn't get my Sylvester Stallone reference. Okay. Over the top was the movie where he was a trucker and all he did was compete in arm wrestling competitions ah. to try and and win the favor of his son. Really? Yeah. I feel like I remember that movie. <laughs> you should. It came out in the 80s and it was on like TNT all yeah, the time. It feels like a TNT movie, yeah. doesn't it? Okay. Yeah. So Don's friends didn't really care for Nick. They were a little surprised that Don, who was... He's a bit much. Yeah. They, well, Don was ambitious. She was hardworking. Again, she was quite... She was this tiny little thing. Like, And Nick was a larger than life character, but he was also like... I don't know. Like, I've seen pictures of him. So this is a thing that... I read the book Twisted Faith. That's the main source for this for this episode. And the author, who is Greg Olson, appears to think that Nick's weight is very important. And I don't, but I was, Nick is heavier when he's older, when all this kind of bad stuff happens. But when he's younger, he looks like he's like a normal sized guy. And he isn't like, Ooh, don't go out with that guy. You know, like he's just kind of a normal looking dude. Mm-hmm. And Dawn's kind of a, she's pretty, but she's like girl next story pretty. And, but he keeps talking about how Nick is like, like gross, but I don't think Nick is nearly as gross as what the story, but I have gotcha. never like seen a video of Nick, but right. I, you know, so, but whatever. So anyway, people thought he was a loser. Dawn's friends thought he was a loser. Gotcha. Um, But maybe it was clearly Dawn liked him. They stayed together. Um, maybe it was his devotion to God. Um, maybe it was his charm, uh, because he's, no matter how you look at it, the guy's a charmer. Mm -hmm. We're going to find out more about that later. 
No matter what. Well, I mean, like, to be fair, though, like, I feel like you got to be at least reasonably charismatic to be a pastor. Yeah, or I agree with you. Priest or whatever you want to call it. You cannot at, be, at any like, point. Yeah. you can't be dull because people won't come to you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you've got to be kind of a, a performer. But no matter what, she liked what he had to offer. And when he proposed to her over Oreo cookies, she said yes. That's kind of sweet. I think it's really sweet, yeah. actually. Um, they married on April 20th, 1991. And soon after, they moved Ooh, to... Ooh, that's, uh, that's the year that uh, Northern Exposure came out. Pew, pew. Cool. Yeah. That's a weird thing to mention. I don't know. Just get popped in my head. <laughs> um, and soon, they moved to Bremerton, where Don took a job at a credit union, and Nick went back to his the church that he'd grown up in as a youth pastor. The name of the church is Christ Community Church. I feel like, I feel like, like, like youth pastor is code word for intern pastor. I... It's like, well, we don't trust you with a whole church. We just trust you with the most delinquent people in the church. I think... It might, I don't know that it's entirely interim, but I don't think they get paid very much. Yeah, no, I'd, like everything I've ever heard about youth pastors, it's, it, well, first of all, everything I've heard, like you always like start out at that youth pastor position and then like you have to deal with the youths of the church and which is like got to be the hardest job <laughs> of all because you're dealing well, they don't want to be there yeah you're dealing with a bunch of, of hormonal delinquents i mean they're not necessarily delinquents but like you know that's that's the time in your life when if you're going to be a delinquent that's when you're going to do it you're going to buck authority and you're going to be a little bastard all the time yeah, and so like like i feel like being a youth pastor is just like being a substitute teacher in yeah. a public school system, you know, you can't just show up most of the time and just be like, hey, now I'm a full-time teacher. It's like, well, no, you got to be a substitute for a while and, you know, earn your bones before you get up to be a, a real person kind of thing. A real person. Yeah. <laughs> substitute teachers aren't real people. Well, everyone knows interns aren't real people. <laughs> so... <laughs> So Christ Community Church is a was a Pentecostal church. Um, now Pentecostal, I was I actually had to look this up because my impression, my experience with Pentecostal churches is very fundamentalist, very strict on clothing, hair, and other things. Okay. Okay. But what I was seeing in this story was not the, was not that case was not the case that was not the case. Um, so what I found out was that it's actually a religious movement with three different branches. Okay. I didn't really get into it, but one of them is much more fundamentalist and much more um, strict as far as where women wearing skirts, men wearing long sleeves. And that's the one that you were used to. That's the one I was used to, yeah. It's a Pentecostalism. Pentecostalism, I'm going to say. I don't know if that's correct, sure. and I'm sorry if I'm wrong. Um, a religious is a religious movement that started in the early 1900s, and it emphasizes a direct personal experience with God through baptism with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Gotcha. So this personal experience is often often translates into speaking in tongues. I was just gonna say. Um, divine healing and as well as prophecy. Okay. Okay. Um, prophecy in particular was something that happened a lot at this Christ Community Church. Okay. Okay. So it was very similar to what Mormons, the Mormon Church, in that anybody can receive word from god gotcha okay and i don't in mormonism it may be just men who can receive word from god but in this church anybody any sex can receive word from god in particular there's a woman named sandy who often received prophetic messages um that ranged you know from meaningless to life-changing she was pretty much the like 
unofficial prophetess of the church um because her she had she'd had a she'd had a, a prophecy or a word from god saying that she was going to have her child three months early and then that happened and so people started to really really believe her but also she'd been through a lot she was like from a background of like it wasn't her life hadn't been easy right so people were kind of they they took her and they thought oh she's lived lived a good life so or lived a rough life so mm-hmm. we can listen to her but i mean no matter what, like usually when anybody had a message, it was so vague that you could apply. It's just like a horoscope or like a, you know, you go to a mystic or, or whatever and they tell you, oh, you know, you're going to meet a nice man. Well, yeah, you probably will at some point, you right. know, or, oh, you're you're going to have a big life change, but they don't tell you when like that kind of everyone has a big life change at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's one of those things where lots of it can apply to lots of things. So anybody, they would put him out at the church. They would be like, oh, Sandy had a prophecy. And they would tell everybody that's about Sandy's prophecy. And she would go, blah, 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 blah. And they would go, oh, that applies to me. You know, that kind right, of thing. Right. So it was definitely not like a uber specific usually, but we'll get into some other stuff later. Well, when whenever is prophecy specific? No, prophecy is terrible. You should yeah. never go with prophecy. But. So church, the church was led by two pastors. So Pastor Bob, otherwise known as P.B. Smith, and Robert Biley. Uh, P.B. tended to be more... Wait, so the two pastors were Bob and Bob, basically? Yeah, but they called Pastor Bob P.B. I, I get that. I, I understand, but oh. it's just really funny that it's two Bobs. Listen, if you can't have, if you can't have a mic, you want a Bob. Good callback. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to know what we're talking about, you need to listen to previous episodes. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Uh, PB tended to be more empathetic. He was a nicer guy. He would sit down and pray with you. He would, you know, you go to counseling with him, stuff like that. While Robert it worked, was... Worked really good with Jelly. Yeah, worked really good with Jelly, actually. PB and Jelly. Thank you, honey. Robert was better at analyzing scripture. He was better at taking the church toward a unified message. More of a scholar. More of a scholar, yeah. Gotcha. Together, the two implemented a thing called deliverance counseling, which to me sounds horrible. (laughs) Um, It was a confidential but intense session in which PB and Robert would pray and question the congregant in order to excise their literal demon. Okay. So it was a lot of screaming, a lot of questions, a lot of very personal questions. They would ask people like, they were basically confessionals. Like they were like, what have you done? Have you had an abortion? Blah, 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 blah. Have you ever had an extramarital affair? Have you ever had sex with someone of the same sex? Stuff like that. Like, So it's like a really aggressive confession. Yeah. It's really, it sounds horrible. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess it works. I mean, it, it's an approach. It's certainly an approach. Oh, it just feels very... I wouldn't say that it's a good one, but maybe it worked for their congregation. Maybe I'm... that's what they needed. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But so... <laughs> yeah. Who are we to judge if it I works? I guess you're right. I mean, if it works, it works, right? So... Pentecostals often and usually believe in literal Bible tra- translation. So sometimes, like I said, sometimes the church will adhere to strict rules regarding dress and hair. Um, but this was not that. Um, but they do, I mean, they they do place stock in some ven- fundamentalist religious views as far as women submitting to their husband. Gotcha. Okay, this is, what are you going to do? Where, I don't think it always works that way, but it's... Hey, lady, wear whatever you like, unless your husband doesn't like it, and then you're not allowed. But I, from what I've read about this church, it sounded like it was a lot more relaxed and groovy than that. Like... Freaking hippies. I, I don't think it was, you know, it seems like there was an idea that, that 
men control their household, but the men who were at the church were like not a bunch of dicks right. beating on their wives and telling them they couldn't do stuff. They were like, hey, you know, like, can you get me a beer from the fridge? And she was like, sure. <laughs> it wasn't like <laughs> right. anything terrible or anything right. like that. So, it wasn't like like the some of the weird culty shit that you yeah. hear about. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I mean, whatever, man. If you're not hurting anybody, who gives a shit what you think? Yeah. And I'm coming off as like this really hippy dippy dude this this episode for some reason. Well, you don't care about who, people's religions. Yeah, I don't care about people's but... religions, but like I don't know, like I'm like being very vocal about like, hey man, lay off the ch- this church man. They're being yeah, nice people about being... things and whatever. I'm just telling yeah. you what's going on. Nobody is being nasty to this church. Yeah. This church is. I mean, the, besides the deliverance thing, I don't. I mean, care so for so far they seem pretty okay, except for their Scientology t- style. I of did confession. think of Scientology. Yeah. Which is a fine religion, and anyone can do it, and I don't have any problems with them at all. David Miscavige, please don't sue us. Anyway, so, for her part, Dawn seemed to be fine with her role as uh, submitting to her husband. Although she was the breadwinner in their household. Yeah, she's got a job at a bank, man. (laughs) Cha-ching. I actually have how much she made in here, and it wasn't that good. Well, for some podunk town in, in, in Washington. Yeah, okay. So she seemed to prefer to stay away from the spotlight, which was very different than Nick. Well, I mean, it seems very in line with her personality as far as you've told me so far. Having not been raised, she wasn't raised in this church. Right. So having not been raised in this church, she probably needed time to acclimate and find where she fit. Uh, people seem to like her. She's described all the time as being generous and kind and angelic and, you know, the stuff that people say about people who died mm-hmm. but also like it was all like legit like people thought she was a truly kind and good person um nick of course by contrast loved the spotlight um and went about glad handing anybody he could he was hugging the ladies of the church maybe a little too long um and being a larger than life character he seems pretty extroverted yeah um and it's even possible that even if dawn had wanted to be more active maybe nick didn't want her to be Again, we're talking about a church where men kind of control the thing and Nick has a big personality and probably Mm -hmm. does kind of run the house. And so he said, I prefer you kind of take a step back. And Dawn was probably okay with that because it seems like she's very meek and... I don't want to say describe her as meek. I don't, don't want to say withdrawn because withdrawn sounds like there's, so, there's something wrong with her. I think she's but just like, introverted. Yeah, yeah. she just like, she likes to. Yeah. Stay oh, home. you want to go out and, and talk with everyone and glad hand everyone? Cool. I'll just yeah. sit over here and 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 drink, you know, my water or whatever. And you know, people see that I'm here and everything's good because you're out there doing your thing, and I'm happy about that. <laughs> I'm happy with this dynamic. You do that, I'll do this. We're good. So. Even though she was very supportive of Nick, there was a downside to that. So Dawn was the breadwinner, but Nick went through money as fast as he could. So now part of that is that Robert would preach that if church members wanted something, they should go out and get it. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is an excellent way to focus people. Mm -hmm. I think that makes people go out and do things they wouldn't normally do. Mm -hmm. It makes them go out and start businesses that they normally wouldn't start. Mm -hmm. It makes them move move their lives forward when maybe they wouldn't be moving their lives forward. Right. Unfortunately, he also meant if you want a motorcycle, go buy a motorcycle even if you can't afford it. If you want new carpeting in your house, go get new carpeting in your house even if you can't afford it. It was very much a, if you want it, go get it. God will take care of the rest. Gotcha, gotcha. Which is, in my opinion, very unhealthy, and I can't imagine that PB was happy with it, but what are you going to do? Right. Um, But 
This is the thing about Nick, is that he actually wasn't spending the money on him. He was giving the money to other people. Okay. So if somebody said they needed something, Nick would give them money to get it. I mean, like, at face value, that seems pretty nice. But, yes. But at the same time, you know, if somebody's like, hey, I really want a motorcycle, but I can't afford it, and I don't have the good, I don't have the credit to get a loan to get it, can you give me the money? And he's like, yeah, sure, that's, you know, irresponsible. <laughs> Well, it's not great for their for their finances. Right. So, and you're right, it's totally irresponsible. But they also took in congregants who needed help. Again, that's on the face value, it's not All doesn't seem like wonderful. a bad idea it, until, you know, you got that one asshole that's like, "Hey, I just need a place to stay for like a week." And then like 3 years later, they're still living there. <laughs> well, they and you're didn't like, have... "Dude, clean your goddamn room." <laughs> And they're like, you're not my dad. Well, they didn't have that problem. But I imagine that Dawn, as an introvert, didn't care for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, I think she was she was probably happy with, this, with the community. But because we don't get to talk to her and we've never, because she died in a fire and probably any journals or anything she had are gone, we don't know. Right. And it's heartbreaking because I'd love to know a little bit about Dawn. So now, despite the fact that Dawn's friends didn't care for Nick or thought he was a layabout in college. Mm-hmm. He actually was pretty ambitious. He was Seems just ambitious like in a different way. Okay. So he wanted to be a pastor and a counselor. And he also wanted to start a Christian youth camp. Okay. Which is pretty neato, I yeah. think. I mean, if you're... I mean, the, I'm, I'm being very nice in this episode thus far. I don't feel very good towards this guy. But he wanted to start a Christian youth camp. And I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And... um. He'd even found the perfect place to put it, but they couldn't afford it because they ju- they, she made eighteen thousand dollars a year. He made probably I don't know, doesn't say how much he made, but I don't think it was eight. It, it was probably less. It was definitely less because yeah. she was the breadwinner, right? Well, so, you know, he was still you know an intern. So they weren't making any money, right? Um, so he instead he put he put that to the side and talked about it all the time and prayed for it all the time. But in the meantime, he approached Robert and PB about giving him more responsibility at the church. And so they gave him marriage counseling. Okay. And he was still a pretty young guy when they gave this to him. Sure. But but because him and Don had such a strong marriage, or so people assumed, right. um, they thought he could do some good, and Nick thought he could do some good. So up to this point, not too bad, right? Right. Um, and for the, and he was a good guy. He was a thoughtful guy. He was a friendly guy. He was a he could see what people needed to hear, kind of a guy. Um, however, and even in his first few months as a counselor, there were some complaints because he was a little too focused on people's sex lives. Gotcha. And it's like that the the trope it, that you see in movies with like Catholic priests during confession, and they're like, "Ooh, what kind of sins have you committed?" Yeah. Mm. Ugh, mm. Yeah. Mm. Ugh. So Sandy, the prophetess, and her husband saw Nick for marriage counseling. Uh, Sandy was a sweet lady, organized, fun, capable. She often took charge. Prophetic. Prophetic. <laughs> she often took charge in running events and kept her home really nice. And her garden was always done very well. She was a very detailed lady. She was just a really like solid good christian normal person okay yeah but nobody cares about that we want to hear about her sex life not yet adrian oh okay Okay, so she did have a past though we talked about that a little bit she'd been a part well she'd been a partier and she'd actually lost a boyfriend pretty tragically um but had come out on the other side better stronger uh now she saw that she might have a new role and she saw herself helping Nick with this Christian youth camp. She'd had word describing the place that Nick had hoped to buy. 
and said she would have an important role there alongside him. Was it Camp Crystal Lake? Because <laughs> that's a bad idea. That's just a yeah. bad investment. Everyone knows that. <laughs> so. Now, she, that must have really made Nick happy that she had this prophecy because she had so many. Her word was usually pretty good. Her word is her bond. Her word is her bond. So I'm sure Nick was thrilled that she'd had this word. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Hey, the lady that, that always speaks future truths says that you're totally going to do the thing that you want to do, even though you don't have the money for it. Great. Awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> let's take that to the bank. Yep. So <laughs> let's literally take that to the bank where my wife works. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Sandy also had another prophecy, Adrian. Okay. This one was a little less positive. She had a prophecy that her husband was going to die. Yeah, that sucks. So, late 1996 and early 1997. Yeah, I'm going right. I'm going just skipping right over that. So, yep. um, late 1996 and early 1997, Don and Nick purchased a fixer upper in Bremerton and got to work. With Don making only about eighteen thousand a year, like I said, got got to work doing what? Remodeling the house. Okay, it, this is not the the camp thing. This is no. just them buying a house and they just bought a house. They okay. bought a fixer upper in Bremerton. Gotcha, and, and they, got to work and got to work fixing up the house. Thank got you it. for asking me to clarify yes. that. Um, it didn't take long before they ran out of money, and so they took out a second mortgage on the house. You know, like you do. It it's it's just an up market. It it never goes back down. So you know, second mortgage. Woo woo. Who cares? So we'll never go. We'll never get upside down on this loan. No no no. The two were already in debt, and this didn't help. But they did. Strangely enough, they were able to keep up with their bills. So I think they that she was a pretty good money manager. I would hope so. If she worked at a bank. Yeah. So. Now, Dawn was hoping that this house would lead to a family. She'd wanted kids for a while. They were in a church where mm -hmm. I'm sure kids were definitely encouraged. Mm -hmm. um, but whenever she brought it up, Nick didn't seem to have an interest. His work was too important. His, His goals work, were too work important. work with kids. His work with teenagers, yes. Yeah. But all, but mostly his, at this point, he's more focused on his counseling, his marriage counseling session. Um, well, yeah, because how else is he going to get tawdry details about things? The internet isn't that big in 1996. <laughs> it's not like he can just go out there to Pornhub or whatever. It's too bad. It probably would have helped their relationship. <laughs> so he was more interested in his work at the church, especially his counseling sessions. Mm -hmm. And he had kind of started to spend th time with three members in particular sandy nicole and annette a little bit of sandy is all he needs so while sandy seemed <coughs> while sandy seemed uninterested in bringing her husband to counseling because it wouldn't matter since he'd be dead soon right nicole could literally not bring her husband to counseling he he had left her and her children in a lurch he was a bit of a druggie and uh, she was hoping to find a way back to him. But so far, he hadn't really shown any interest. But she kept on for many years thinking that he is coming back, that she was holding on. Gotcha. Um, Annette, on the other hand, had a husband who was interested in counseling. But for some reason, Nick didn't want him to come Weird. to counseling. How do you do marriage counseling without both people involved? It's one of those things that I think... I have questions. Yes, I have many questions as well. But it seems to me that there was an idea that the women were... The work was to be done on the women because the men were supposed to be the, the household 
the heads oh, of the household and the I, women needed to I learn. understand now. It's There's nothing wrong with the men in the marriage. It's always the women. And so you got to work on the women so that the marriage works because obviously there's nothing wrong with the man. I mean, that's not stated and I don't know if that's true, but that could be one of the things that they were saying. I mean, I'm not saying that the, this church believed that. It seems like they kind of did, but it definitely sounds like, like Nick is definitely subscribes to that notion maybe so nick told each of the women that something good would happen in their lives and that god was with them which is a nice thing to hear Mm -hmm. it must have been wonderful i mean it's not helpful when you're like hey help me fix my my marriage and all all that you get from him is well god will provide well i'm sure i think he he was counseling them all the time so this is i'm just summarizing right he didn't just say that to them i'm saying that he said okay so it must have been wonderful and empowering to hear that, though, from a from a trusted counselor, especially when you're concerned, especially for Nicole. Oh yeah, for sure. Who is yeah, you know, that desperate for for to get back together with her husband, figure shit out to with fix her husband. Her family. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it also had another thing. It also had another consequence. Okay. It made these women unflinchingly loyal to Nick. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's all I'm waiting for now. So, I know something's going to happen. So in summer 1997, it started to become pretty clear to some church members, as well as to Robert, that Nick was becoming a bit too close to some of the members of the church. Uh, PB was in Africa visiting his daughter and her husband. He, and he was blessing the rains. He was. He was. He was. Thank you, Adrian. You're welcome. And knew little of the day-to-day dramas back in Bainbridge. Sandy's husband was becoming concerned that Sandy and Nick might be having an affair. Um, and Nick was also spending an awful lot of time with Nicole and her children. Dawn was probably involved. Nick and Nicole. I know. Dawn I'm was... just saying. I'm just saying. You've got the the D family, and then you've got Nick and Nicole. I'd make fun of it, but I can't. I cannot. I don't have a shoot. I don't have a hand uh, foot to stand on. I dated a Jesse for many years. Jesse and Jesse. Yeah. So, Dawn was also involved somehow. I'm sure. But it seems like he was spending time with the ladies, more time with the ladies at church than with her. Right. So. Well, his job was important to him. I mean, even from a naive standpoint, his job was important to him. But from a nefarious standpoint, which is where I'm angling here, because like, obviously, we're not talking about this because everybody's nice and everything's happy in this environment. Oh, my my work is so important to me. I've got to go. It's like 2 a.m. and I've got to go over to Nicole's house and I'll be there for like two days. Well, it wasn't at this point. It wasn't like that. At this point, there's that we know of. At this point, um, Annette is legitimately they're just good friends and he's her counselor. Nicole is still trying to get back with her husband and but definitely relying a bit too much on Nick for some mail from right for mail stuff sandy is the only one who's got like she's literally said her husband's going to die and it's a little bit questionable as to like she's she's absolutely convinced that her husband's going to die right which is and she keeps on like i told you the prophecy once she says the prophecy like 85 times to anybody who will listen i don't think she wants she's gonna kill him but she's thinking well, he's going to die. Any day now, he's going to yep. drop, and it's going to be fine. And she felt fine talking about how when he dies, she will use that money to pay off all the debt she has and things like that. Like, she would say that to people. And people are like, that's fucking weird. Well, again, taking the naive standpoint here, like, I'm assuming that she has had copious conversations with her husband about this. No, 
She has never told her husband oh, that he so, is going to die. Oh. She has told everyone else that he is going to die and not her husband. Well, she that's told, shitty. She's told her fucking children that he's going to die, but not her husband. That's that's real shitty. I feel like it's it's being mean almost to not tell him that she has these visions because especially if you're the pastor of the church she's told the pastors this thank you for asking that because i don't think that i had made that clear enough i appreciate you asking that yeah she is not telling yeah i just assumed that she told her husband because why wouldn't you why wouldn't you tell because they're having problems and she's given up well she's not telling him anything now because she's just been like well he's gonna die so he's not coming to counseling with me i don't i'm not spending time with him she's literally just waiting for him to die that begs another question why is she going to marriage counseling if she's just she's going to nick counseling She's not going to marriage counseling. Yeah. Like, at this point, it's not about marriage. It's about Nick. Yeah. So, so this is what gets me. Despite the fact that he spends nearly all of his time with other people, mm-hmm. churchgoers see Nick and Dawn as the ideal relationship. Oh, she's so good to him. Oh, she supports everything he does. Oh, she's so sweet. Oh, she's always there. Oh, she does this. Oh, she does that. She seems content. She's so quiet. She's so sweet. Every She adores Nick. Nick adores her. How could you not adore her? She's so sweet. She's so great. So people are basically looking at their relationship and assuming that it's something very, very lovely. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. But no one seems to be worried about the fact that he's spending all this time with these women, except for Robert Biley is starting to notice. Okay. But we'll get into that in a second. Now, this perfect facade facade starts to kind of crack for Annette in May of 1997. Okay. Nick comes to her and he tells her that he was molested as a child. And she says, what does Dawn have to say about that? And he says, I never told Dawn. She doesn't know. And Annette is just like, you've never told your wife such a huge thing, but you're telling me? And so she was like, maybe they're not as perfect as I thought. And then she thinks... Well, that's nice that he trusts me enough. Tell me that. Mm-hmm. So Sure. Yeah. So, so. Sandy, in the meantime, had begun to show up to nearly everything that Nick was included in. Okay. So that included Thursday night youth meetings. It included, you know, I don't know if it was counseling sessions, but she would just kind of be there. She would be hanging about. Just whatever. all the church stuff. Yeah. People found it odd, especially the Thursday night youth meetings, because sure. she didn't have any kids there. Right. Um, her in-laws, who lived on the same property as her, were getting concerned that Nick was all, was over all the time. They had like a... Okay, so they had a big... like a, It wasn't an estate, but it was like they had a ton of property, and everybody kind of just lived, lived there, there. Okay. like they all had houses there it happens yeah um also the other thing was sandy was becoming crueler to her husband she was not paying attention to him she was basically everything he did was wrong you know he couldn't do anything right you know and in hindsight it's 2020 but i think at the time he was kind of he wasn't like a bad dude but he mm-hmm. was like kind of a layabout and he wasn't really doing anything and it was it was just kind of getting on her well plus she was over him because obviously he's gonna die yeah, soon exactly so other people found it odd that she seemed to know things that Nick they'd told Nick in confidence, mm. including sexual things. Not cool, Nick. Yeah. Not cool. So PB's youngest daughter, who I've changed her name, Elle, um, once attempted to open Nick's office door and was stopped, like, he, like the door was stopped, mm-hmm. and was closed and then Nick opened it again and then he she could see Sandy on the couch very upset. 
So that could be just that he was standing against a door or something and didn't realize or could and nothing was going on. Or it could be that Sandy was feigning upsetness while they were making out or something. I don't know. Or, you know, they were counseling session and the door started to open and he just stopped it that real could quick. be it as yeah. well yeah but i'm i'm thinking that that was probably not the case i don't know i don't know so when a good friend of sandy's told nick she thought that their relationship looked wrong this is when nick starts to be a little bit starts to say things and do things that are a little weird so nick responded by saying that even if there was anything inappropriate going on it would be sanctioned by god and this is a quote, quote, if Sandy loved me like a woman loves a man, that would be all right in his eyes because she might need it right now. It might help her really understand the power of God's love for her. Ugh, this is getting into yeah. skeezy territory. So the friend basically did what you're doing right now. Yeah. So now when Robert asked Nick about his relationship with Sandy and whether or not there was something going on, Nick said, Quote, the Holy Spirit has instructed me not to answer you, unquote. Barf. Yeah. Yeah. Now, also around this time, Nick starts to kind of start talking trash about Nicole. He says, implies that she's in love with him, that she's trying to seduce him. He says things like, oh, she's probably over there in a negligee right now waiting for me. Things like that. He says this not to- Not cool, Nick. He says not this cool. to people off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Which is very rude and very inappropriate for a pastor. Well, and even if he's even if he's making this shit up, that's the person not to do it to. Like the person who's so desperate to get to to get her shit back together and get her family back together with her estranged husband. Like that's not the that's not the person to fuck with with that shit. No, he's mm. a dick. Not cool, Nick. Now I don't know if it's because of that or maybe dis- despite that or maybe because of that her wearing a negligee or but which isn't true by the way. Right. Um, Nick was spending more and more time with Nicole. And I think it's because he wanted to her to want to wear a negligee around uh-huh. him. So he would call her to pray. He would go over and help her kids get ready for school. Like, it was legitimately like he was in a relationship with her. It's very odd. So instead of helping her get her family back on track, he was literally just taking over for her husband. Who, by the way, literally has no interest in getting back together with her. Like, I don't, I cannot tell you, say that enough. This right. guy is not interested in getting back together. So... Now, all of this is starting to take its toll at the church. Um, Robert Biley's suspicions were being met with aggression on the part of Nick. Nick felt attacked and told Annette and Sandy, and probably Dawn, I I hope that he's telling Dawn things, um, that he thought Robert might be doing the devil's work. So now we've got the devil brought into this. Mm -hmm. And that a war within the church was imminent. He compared himself to David and said Robert was King Saul. He had, so he was saying that all of this insane stuff. There was a book that he was giving everybody and saying, this is the, this, I'm going to fight this guy. Da, 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 this war is going to happen. And I need to get PB on my side because PB has been in Africa all this summer. Yeah. He's been blessing the rains. Yeah. yeah. And so when he go, when PB is coming back from Africa, Nick goes straight to the airport and picks him up and tells him everything. This is what's been going on. Robert's bad. Da, 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 da. Now, Robert and PB had not been 100% agreeing this whole time. Mm-hmm. And there have been some stressors that were, which is one of the reasons that PB went to Africa. But nothing had been boiling over or even close to it. But this is kind of starting when the pot's getting hot. Right. Okay. So PB believes everything Nick says that Robert's out to get him, that none of this stuff is true. Nick is not having affairs with people. Nick is not on, Nick's on the level with these women. It's nothing. It's not a big deal. 
But Robert, what Robert's real concern was, wasn't that Nick was having an affair with these women. It was that these women were falling for Nick. Mm-hmm. And he didn't think that that was a good thing for the relationships they were in, which is true. Right. Like, Absolutely. If, if they're leaning on you... For their emotional support, they're not leaning on their husbands, and then their relationships aren't getting better. But Nick was taking this to another level and saying, oh, he's doing the devil's work, he's against me, da-da-da-da-da. It's all very manipulative, which is a very Nick thing to do. Right. Well, I mean, like, like again, taking this outside the context of the church, like, if you were to be like, hey, I need to go see a marriage counselor or a psychiatrist of any kind, and you went on, like, ZocDoc or whatever... And, like, all the reviews of a doctor were like, this guy totally tried to get in my pants. That's not the doctor you would go to. You would 100%, like, first of all, you'd go and, like, report him to the AMA or whatever the medical board is. But also, you would not go to that doctor. And so, like, if if you're in a church and everybody's like, oh, yeah, don't go to marriage counseling with Nick. He's going to try and get in your pants. Why, why is that guy still in charge of marriage counseling, you know? Well, it's because, well, he's, and that's the thing, is that he's not necessarily trying to get in everybody's pants, but he is always calling them and always allowing them to call him. Uh-huh. It's not, it's it's definitely an emotionally negative, it's, it's not a healthy thing. Right, but but that's what I'm saying, is like, like he's not even in charge of the church. No. Like, like the bobs <laughs> could together be like, yo... We're taking you off marriage counseling because I don't think you're doing a good job of it, buddy. Go back to your youth. Meanwhile, Don, Don, remember Don? Remember the remember his wife? Oh yeah, she's. I miserable. think I remember her. Don's miserable. Okay. She's. I'm sure she's heard the rumors. I'm sure she has her suspicions. Mm-hmm. And she, but she's dealing all with them with all of them quietly. Only once does she break down. And it's not even what you think. She's she worried to Annette and to another woman that Nick no longer wanted her. She was worried that she was fat. She was worried that she needed to be a better wife. She was worried that she didn't make him happy. She said, I've been taking long walks, exercising, trying to eat locale, keeping the house cleaner. I'm trying to make him special dinners, you know, so I can show him I love him. And then she said, my life isn't what I thought it would be. And don't like they're see, like what the hell don you're amazing you're super awesome you're super supportive if nick can't see what a great wife you are fuck him you know see this is the thing that the we always talk about is like communication is like a key key to a good relationship and like if you like don is going out and she's walking and she's doing stuff to try and like get thinner well, because she she thinks that she's too fat for for nick and she's trying to clean the house and everything like bro just go talk to your husband be like yo he's not there wh- well i know that but i he's mean he's at everybody else's house you'd grab him by the lapel and be like hey we gotta talk what what am i not what am i doing this that that you don't like what can i do to make things better and instead of just like grasping at straws you know well, and i we mean ha- like, we don't know where she's at on this she's been silent forever that's true this is the and first also, time she's you know she's dead so nobody knows what actually was going through her head with all of this stuff well but I mean, like, like seriously, I agree with like, you, but, yeah. if, but if you're also, if you're married to a guy named Nick, like Nick, not named Nick, <laughs> if you're married Fucking to a guy named Nick's. Nick, no, if you're, they're mar- all terrible. If you're married to a guy like Nick, he couldn't even be asked, hey, 
do you have a relationship with this woman? Cause he, and he was like, the Holy Spirit won't, doesn't want me to tell you. You know he's using that shit at home. He's yeah. like, honey, I'm too tired to talk to you. But, if you, you can be as communicative as, you, as possible, but if the other person won't be communicative, it's, you can't have a relationship. All right. So she's upset. Nobody understands why Nick would, why she would feel this way because they think that Nick is like fucking in love with her and thinks she's the greatest thing on the planet. Right. And everyone thinks that they have the perfect relationship. So they're like, oh, she's probably just having a stressful day. She'll be fine. But then when they go, when Annette goes to him and says, hey, I'm worried about, I'm worried about Dawn. She's a bit, she's having a rough, she's going through a rough patch. He says, don't worry. The Dawn was meant to suffer according to Dawn's plan, to, to God's plan. So Dawn's meant to suffer. God told me, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like Dawn is definitely, she's, this is right now she's going through something and she's meant to suffer through it and we can't do anything to help her. Which is code for fuck her. I don't give a shit. Basically. Yeah. And that's her husband. That's the guy you want her to be communicative to. Yay. Yeah. So then Sandy gets another fucking prophecy. Of course she does. And it will change their lives because her prophecy is that Dawn is going to die on December 18th. That's specific. And that he showed me Nick and I will be together. Also specific? Yep. But she was wrong. Because Dawn didn't die on December 18th. A day later, she got another word. Don't do anything. You're being watched. Your hands are tied. That sounds like paranoia. That doesn't sound like... Sincerely, the FBI. (laughs) And then, after that, she got another message. Meant only for Nick. Your hands are no longer tied. And then, Christmas happened. Well, it happens once a year. So... A few things happen at Christmas. The first one is that Sandy gives the wrong present to a friend of her mother-in-law's. Was it a dildo? Oh, thank God. That would have been obnoxious, wouldn't it? It was a teddy bear, and the card said, To my big-hearted, huggable, holdable hunk of a man. And so they get an inkling that Sandy's not being entirely on the level. Nick and Dawn, on Christmas, were meant to spend the day with her parents on the other side of Puget Sound. However, Dawn was fighting a cold and for some reason stayed in the car sleeping while Nick went across on a boat on the ferry. But she stayed in the car sleeping because she was all high on Benadryl or something. Okay. I just, I'm like, why would you even go? Why wouldn't you just stay home? Right. Why would you sleep in the car? It's so weird. But while he was over with his mother-in-law and father-in-law... Nick is sitting on the couch with her. He blows in her ear. In his mother-in-law's? In his mother-in-law's ear. Weird. And she said, she thinks to herself, huh, he's such a tease. What the fuck? That's fucked up. Now that night, Nick and Dawn go over to PB's house to play board games. Um, at the end of the night, Nick makes plans with Elle, PB's daughter, and another parishioner to go duck hunting the next morning. Early morning duck hunting. Just before the first light, they're going to go. And I don't know anything about duck hunting, but that sounds like the worst thing to do the day after Christmas. Yeah, but I mean, like Christmas, you're usually trying to find activities to get away from your family. So, you know. I guess I'm concerned. I'm, I'm confused as to why they weren't all at church on Christmas. Because they were visiting family. I guess. Like so, church still happens. I suppose. They probably just got the day off or maybe they went to really early morning church or something. Or, yeah. Anyway, so. Well, if it's the day after Christmas, that's not no, really. No, that was on Christmas. Okay, on Christmas. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. 
Well, whatever. So the next morning, the day after Christmas, Nick, Elle, and the other parishioner go out before first light to find a pretty disappointing morning of hunting. They spend about 45 minutes sitting around. They don't shoot their guns. They don't see any ducks. And so they say, no, fuck it. Let's go to breakfast. That doesn't sound like they were very committed to going hunting. Yeah, right? I'm like, I thought you went hunting all day when you go duck hunting. Yeah. But I'm, what do I know? I'm not a hunter. So if it's it's better in the morning, whatever, but... Or maybe they just went, hey, let's go to breakfast, and then we'll go back out after breakfast. Could be. Could be. So, unfortunately, about... So, they get to breakfast about 9 o'clock, and about 9.35, Nick gets up and goes, oh my god, me and Dawn haven't had a chance to open Christmas gifts yet, and leaves. Interesting. Right? Yeah. It's a little weird. Like, he, like, got up suddenly and said that. It wasn't like he was like, oh, me and Dawn haven't opened up Christmas gifts yet. We should go. Or right. I should go. It was, like, sudden. Now, by this time, the emergency services and the fire department have already been at his house for mm-hmm. two hours. See, what had happened was... What had happened was... What had happened was... Neighbors across the street from Nick and Don's house heard the sound of a fire of fire sucking in a window and black smoke pouring from the house. They called the police at 7.13 a.m. And it took the fire department about 10 minutes to reach the house, which is terrible. No, it isn't. You don't think 10 minutes is terrible in a fire? No. Okay. Not... In most places in the U.S. All right. So they put out the blaze and then they went inside. When they entered the bedroom, they found bits of charred paper, clothes, and on the bed, the burnt remains of a small person. They, of course, aren't entirely sure who it is because they haven't, they don't necessarily know exactly who lives there. Right. The neighbors do tell them that there's a man and a woman and the woman is smaller and the man is pretty big. So it's likely her. She appeared to be surrounded with paper on the bed, and they saw a space heater on the ground near canisters of propane. She had an electric blanket over the top of her body that had been burnt up, so they could just see wires and stuff. Um, And since the house was in the midst of a remodel, they basically had extension cords everywhere, because it's probably the only place in the house that they live. Nick came home, made it home by around 10 a.m., and they questioned him, and he said he confirmed that it was nobody else was staying in the house, that it was it was probably his wife. Mm-hmm. So police questioned, oh, sorry, they questioned Nick. He was devastated. He seemed devastated. Um, they asked him, point blank, if he killed his wife. He said no, of course. Um, <laughs> Why would you say yes to that that question? <laughs> they asked him where he'd been that morning. He told them he'd gone hunting, then breakfast, and then realized he'd forgotten something at home and came home. No one followed up on his alibi. No one called L. No one called the other prisoner. They just accepted it because it seemed like it was probably an accident. Right. Medical examiners ran tests on her blood. They found that she had larger than normal a larger than normal dose of Benadryl in her system. Which lends itself to the story that he told earlier. I mean, Nick said that she'd been sick and she was particularly sensitive to the medication. He thought that might be why she slept through the fire. But medical examiners also found that she had no soot in her lungs. Uh, they were convinced that it was a rare flash fire and that her larynx closed. I already told you about that. And right. that's why she didn't die of smoke inhalation. Now, after police questioned Nick, he went to Nicole's. But he also spent, I mean, he didn't stay there for very long. He spent basically spent the day with the church people and being comforted and things like that. Um, when Robert Biley showed up, he scowled at him. Annette said that she thought that he, that there, that, uh, Dawn died because of good versus evil, which is so ridiculous. That right. I'm sorry. We can, I accept everything when it comes to faith, but Nick made this happen and whatever. So almost immediately after Dawn's death, Nick started acting gross. Grosser. Like legit gross. He flirted with women from the church who were helping him out. Even after her funeral, he hugged people too long. 
but because he was generally a touchy-feely guy. But they, Nick was touchy-feely. He was grieving. People just kind of played it off. They were like, well, he's the yeah, kind people of... People act weird when they grieve. Yeah. And I people, they literally a lot of this is an excuse. A lot of his action after her death is excused because he's grieving. Right. Or people kind of don't talk about it because he's grieving. Right. Um, I think if they talked about it a little bit more, we it, things wouldn't have gone on as long as they did. So, but... It went beyond this touchy-feely shit. So he started using his grief to get away with saying and doing things that would never be appropriate if you weren't. So he would... It was all within, like, the first month of losing Dawn. He told one church member he missed having sex with his wife, which is a very weird thing to say to somebody, especially when you're part of a church that... When you're part of a church, yeah. you wouldn't just go... I, I'm sorry, I don't care well, who you are. You I don't... mean, he's kind of been grooming his flock, so to speak. But this is like a random person. This isn't like okay. somebody he's been grooming. This is a this is a person who is he's randomly talking to. And he goes, I, wish, I miss having sex with my wife. And she's like, what the fuck? He told a former assistant that he wanted her in the way a man wants a woman. One of his former assistants, who was like 20. Right. Later, he told the church secretary she looked sexy and that he'd like kiss her. This is a little after the month, though. He told Annette he wanted to make mad, passionate love to her. He kissed Nicole on the lips out of the blue. And at first, everyone kind of goes, um, no, I don't think so. And chalks it up to, again, to grief. But eventually, at least two of these women would give in. One willingly and one took a little bit of convince. Sounds like, uh, like he figured out that, never mind, it's a dumb thing. I, I think it's what I've been thinking this whole time. Try it on with everybody, and then whoever says yes, it sticks. No, that's... No? No. I was thinking it was m- more like a, it's for the bride thing. Oh, So, yeah. like, like he figured out, like, after, you know, a couple of days that he could get away with some shit because it was grieving. And so it turned from him, like, quote-unquote genuinely grieving and, like, getting away with something into... Oh, I'm sorry that I totally fucked you. I was grieving for my wife kind of thing. Yes, you have hit the nail right on the head, Adrian, because this is what he's going to do. So now I'm getting ahead of myself. But in the meantime, Elle, PB's daughter, uh-huh. is going off to Africa. But before she goes, she her gets... Her turn to bless the reins. Her friend and her get essentially get the same word around the same time that she's going to be nick's next wife Mm. this is like within the week after dawn dies this is this is not okay thinking no now in Elle's defense she's like 20 19 or 20 so she's a kid she's thinking future she's not thinking that this is inappropriate she's thinking i need to be there for nick this is a you know whatever so she felt he was calling, God was calling her to be to be Nick's next wife. She basically tells Nick that she's feeling some some stuff that God had told her. She wants to kind of sit on it while she's in Africa. But then when she gets back, she wants to pursue something with him. Well, Nick takes this as like an, a fucking invitation to, to do email sex. Uh-huh. And basically he just starts sexual, sending se- sexually explicit shit to her and like talking about how he wants to make out with her and have sex with her and stuff for like the next six months. She's a fucking kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's only like 10 years older than her, but still it's just like unreal. PB finds some of these emails and he confronts him about it. And Nick goes, Oh, I'm really sorry. I won't do it again. And then he keeps fucking doing it. Right. Like this dude is a dick. Hey, God, God, God said that maybe we should have a relationship. I think we should pursue that when I get back. Cool. In the meantime, I'm going to send you some dirty, dirty, dirty letters nonstop. Yeah. And make it make you feel like you should never come back. 
No, she's into it. She digs it. Like she, she's like, I'm gonna marry this guy, so it's all right that he's doing this kind of stuff. Like it's really like she's she's fully committed to a relationship with him. Gross. Yeah. So I want to take a minute to talk about just how manipulative Nick is because later there's gonna be some women who he takes advantage of, but this is the worst one. Dawn's mother, Diane or whatever. Diane. Her name is. Yeah, one of the D's is he's gonna give her the d he doesn't give well he kind of gives her the d um so they're one day chatting about dawn and how much they miss dawn and he leans over and kisses her it's okay i'm grieving and she kind of that's what she thinks she goes oh it's all right i'm comforting him i'll be dawn for him right so then one day he goes hey you want to go out to dinner she goes yeah let's go to dinner so they go out to dinner and while they're at dinner he goes do you want to go somewhere and be alone and she's like yeah let's go and they go to, he's got a, he's got one of those fucking yurts. Okay. It's behind the house where her fucking daughter burned and died and burned. And they fucking 69 in the yurt. That's just creepy and gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's awful. And I'm sorry. I feel like I shouldn't be giving a soundboard to such shitty behavior, but fuck her, man. That's fucked up. Mm-hmm. So and I, for the record, no, I, I just, I'm, anyway, so. It just it makes me so angry. Yeah. So, Nicole, let's get back to Nicole. Okay. Let's get to some a little bit less um, horrible behavior. Nicole, who has finally decided to hell with her husband, was taken in by a need to comfort Nick over Dawn's death. So, this is what you got it right on the fucking head, Adrian. Mm-hmm. Like, all these women are like, I can be Nick's comforter. And he's like, yes, yeah, so I'm, just, I'm just so distraught right now. Just comfort me. Comfort my penis. So, Nick told her he needed her love, quote unquote. And on January 9th, two weeks. I mean, the mother stuff, that's not right away. That's that's a while down the road. I just right. wanted to bring it up. Um, PB's daughter left for Africa five days after Nick, after Dawn died. And they were already, like the first night, they were already chatting about a, po- a possible relationship. Mm-hmm. So Nicole. That's a nice way to put it. Yes. So Nicole, two weeks after his wife's death, she has sex with him for the first time. And then she's like, oh, it's too soon. We shouldn't do that anymore. You know, the shit you say to a person when you really want to, but you feel guilty about it. Right. They just keep on having sex. They just keep it on, keep it on, keep it on. Okay, this time is the last time. No, wait, this is the last time. Mm-hmm. No more, no more. Yeah. So Robert Biley, by this point, is fucking can't handle it anymore. He's right. like, he's like ready to fucking blow a gasket because Nick is literally like. You're ruining the good name of this church. And I won't have it. I mean, I'm sure he fucking said that. Like, it's like he he is sick of the shit mm-hmm. and sick of PB not seeing Nick for who he is. So he has another one of the pastors because there's another there's a handful of pastors. It's a pretty big church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he has another pastor. They go and they basically sit outside at Nicole's house because they know that Nicole's the one who he's kind of spent mm-hmm. too much time with. So they go sit outside at Nicole's house and then they fucking Nick's car is outside of her house right and they're like at like one in the morning and they're like what the hell and so dude like the other pastor calls up robert and he goes hey hey he's he's at nicole's right now and so robert goes and he looks in the windows and he's he sees candles and he goes you don't use candles when you're an adult unless the lights are out or you're having or you're having sex <laughs> and so basically they they don't they just then they just go back to the car and they wait and they wait till nick leaves and they're like ha gotcha and then Nick's like, yeah, I definitely had sex there, but I feel really bad about it and I won't do it again. And he keeps doing it. Of course he does. So 
Now, I feel like I feel like the pastor that was uh, sitting outside Nicole's house was like the stakeout pastor. Yeah, like that's his whole job is like <laughs> all he does is just stake people out. <laughs> so the inappropriate behavior with with the women obviously didn't go unnoticed because they sat outside and watched it. And so, Obs. Um, now, even though um, Robert was like, "Hey, you know." This is happening. And PB is like, yeah, it's happening. We need to address it. And so basically, Nick keeps lying to PB. And PB is like, yeah, okay, you're right. You're you're a good guy. No problem. You're fine. No problem. You're fine. Da, 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 da. But they're like, maybe, maybe, yeah, you can't have any contact with the women from the church anymore. Stop. And Nick's like, oh, yeah, I'll totally stop having contact with the women from the church. You can trust me. I'm a pastor. And so he does not. Obviously. Stop, does not stop seeing them. And so it becomes such a massive issue, such a problem that the church fucking splits. Wow. They literally, like, PB and his wife take Nick and a handful of parishioners and they, the church they built, they built the church. They leave it. And go off to do a a church in a gymnasium on the other side of town. Like, they leave the church over Yes, hello, and welcome to our new church. The church of Nick is not fucking everybody in this church. We swear to God. And welcome. Nick's like, I'm still fucking everybody in the church. I mean, I'm not. I'm not fucking everybody in the church. I'm still mourning. (laughs) Now, Sandy... Good old Sandy. She's she stays with Robert though, mm-hmm. but she's still all about Nick. She's uh, her and Nick are still hanging about and remains. She remains his confidant and closest ally. So in Sandy's mind, the two of them were meant to be together, and Dawn's death and of her husband's eventual death would lead to the future she was hoping to have. Now people are like, why don't you just divorce your husband? Because at this point, she's kicked him out. Mm-hmm. They're not living together. They're not in love anymore. And she's like, and he's like, what did I do? No, he's like, you're fucking Nick. And she's like, I am not fucking Nick. I have nothing to do with Nick. We're just really good friends. It's an emotional affair. It's nothing more. It's not physical. Da 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 da. Blah 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 blah. It's not about Nick. It's about Nick. Yeah. So. Annette, Annette is the biggest, no, I think Sandy probably has the, actually, no, Annette has the biggest fall from Grace here because Annette is a good person. She's a relatively new to church going. She's a kind lady. She loves her husband. She loves her kids. And she wants very badly to get closer to God. And so when she started counseling with Nick and he told her that her husband didn't have to come anymore, they kind of focused on her spiritual progression. Mm -hmm. And she didn't understand a lot of things. She was kind of, I think she was having trouble with some of the Pentecostal ways of thinking, you know, stuff like that, that she didn't really quite understand. So she needed a little guidance there. Gotcha. And so she was susceptible to pastors and people of the cloth and people in the church People, people in trusted positions. People leading her wrong. And uh, Nick does a pretty good job of fucking her hard, liter- figuratively and literally. Um, Took the words right out of yeah. my mouth. So she, along with a few other ladies from the church, had been helping him get his finances together, helping him take inventory of the house. Um, I mean, after all, there's a fire to mm-hmm. deal with here. Yep. There's a, a lot of paperwork, insurance and things. It was during then that Nick starts to kind of work her i told you before he said i'd like to take you upstairs and make mad love to you mm-hmm. this is at pb's house by the way that he said that to her um neat yeah he's a good dude mm-hmm. really nice guy 
He would comment about how sexy she was. He told her that in the Bible, love is really important. Um, he said his physical desires were a holy love, just like he had said to that one woman about Sandy. Mm -hmm. He told her it wasn't real wrong. holy. He told her it wasn't wrong. He talked to about David and his sinfulness. He and how Nick was a, was God's man, and that he had a, pl a plan for him. Um, and then Annette was part of that plan. He said God wanted them to have sex, even though Annette didn't want to. He said, you may not want to yet, but you will. Oh, you will. But she loved her husband, despite any issues they had. It was kind of small. It was like normal stuff. Um, and she didn't want to hurt him. She didn't want to do that to him. Mm -hmm. uh, but Nick kept on, kept on poking, saying it was all God's plan. And Annette, feeling like she was missing something spiritually, feeling like she didn't really understand, feeling like some some of the stuff that Nick said made a little sense to her, eventually gave in. And she started having sex with Nick essentially whenever he Nick, asked. Nick wanted. Yeah. yeah. And it would eventually, over the next couple of years, this would continue. She didn't consider it an affair because she didn't, it wasn't romantic. She just did whatever, she just had sex with them. And see, this is the kind of shit that I that I find absolutely unconscionable is like you're in a position of power and you use that position of power to just do whatever the fuck you want. And like this guy is like, oh, God said we should have sex. And she's like, no. And he's like, no, really, no, really. Hang on. I'm just going to keep grinding on you until mm -hmm. you fucking say yes. And then I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want to you because you feel like you're in a vulnerable position because I'm the fucking pastor. I mean, he's not like the pastor, he's but still like pastor. still, he's he's in a position of power. That is so fucking disgusting to me. Mm. I can't even tell you how uncomfortable I am right now about this whole situation. I, this, like that's it the, takes a long time to read this book. Like of that. right up to that point, like yeah, this dude sucks and he's the worst, right? But like at the point where you're doing that specific thing, fuck this guy so hard, fuck him. Yeah. This is the worst. Yeah, he was. It's awful. She was so destroyed by this. That, I yeah. That she eventually stopped eating. She was so sick. She she had to. She was like, and she was perfectly nicely healthy for like thirty year old. She was. She had great hair, great skin. She was happy. She was healthy. She she became sallow. She basically lost her looks. Lost lost her. <laughs> confidence lost her ability to trust people lost the her relationship suffered a great deal because she had to lie to him we're talking about communication she couldn't tell her husband anything right and part of that is that she she couldn't tell him because she didn't want to hurt him and part of it is is that nick started to do started to blame her he said you you already hate him you already hate him for what he's done to her well this is what he he did he on top of it so like even after the first time they had sex he basically was like what will they do if they ever find out what you've done? Look what you've done. How will they believe? Why would they believe that that it was me? They'll well, think it was you. Even even aside from that, like even if he hadn't done that part of it, like just think about like oh I know who do you go to in that situation because you're already you're already getting literally fucked over by the person that is who you would go to if you had issues. Like what the fuck. What the fuck? And you can't go to PB or Robert because they will... They're going to back their boy. Well, PB or Robert won't. Well, no. no. I don't think... I think that if she'd gone to one of them, they would have been like, whoa, whoa, what? 
But she didn't know because exactly. Nick kept telling everybody that she would ruin lives. Uh-huh. He kept telling her it was the same shit that people that do people do when they when they molest kids. Mm-hmm. If you tell anybody, you'll be in trouble. Yep. Like if you if you tell anybody, you're you're in deep shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like this, he's manipulating a very manipulatable person. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that Annette is gullible or naive. I'm saying that she was in a vulnerable position and he took advantage of it. And then put her in and a then, more vulnerable position and then took advantage of that. Exactly. And yeah. then, but it then said he was in a vulnerable position and that she'd taken advantage of him, yep. but she hadn't. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's all guilty and yeah. blame and stuff like that. And I it's mean, not. fuck this guy. Yeah, fuck this guy. He's a fucking dick. Like killing Dawn was the best thing he ever did for Dawn, probably. I'm just kidding. Probably releasing Dawn would have been the best thing he ever mm-hmm. did. But. So eventually this is, this is what gets me. So he's manipulating everybody, manipulating everybody, manipulating everybody. And then he's, he's spinning the wheel and spinning the wheel and spinning the fucking wheel about who he's going to go for. Right. Cause mm-hmm. he's been, he threw out, he wrote through it all the darts and he hit uh, a few spaces and then, but then he found the one he really, really wanted. Right. He found the bullseye mm-hmm. and that was Nicole. He ended up, he wanted to be with Nicole. So when he found Nicole, first of all, he dropped Sandy almost fucking completely. So Sandy, who has been his confidant this entire time, he goes, oh, yeah, we're over. And she's like, what the fuck is going on here? But bef- even before that, he had essentially, to sp- in order for him to spend more time with Nicole, he basically said, Annette, if you, have to, if you want to bitch about anything or talk about anything, you should probably go to Sandy. Because as Annette's getting sicker and worse, she's trying to find spiritual help right so she's going to nick and is saying i need spiritual help i don't understand any of this stuff and that's exactly it he's like you're gross now i don't want to have anything to do but he still wants to have sex there when he wants to have sex there right you know so he's like you go talk to sandy sandy will be sandy will deal with it so he's already so she's like does sandy know what's been going on well yeah she does he told sandy knows everything yeah so he's basically like you talk to sandy She'll deal with you from now on. And that's like, the fuck? How could you do that? How could you abandon me? We're supposed to have this, something great is supposed to happen to all of us because of me having sex with you. I'm supposed to, I'm part of this big plan. And now you're just kind of tossing me aside. Mm-hmm. She's like c- legitimately confused because she legitimately believes that God has a plan for the, for the three of them. Mm-hmm. So in the, so he's dating Nicole. So him and Elle had been basically done Kay. because they, whatever it was, mm-hmm. it was, you, if you can't have a physical relationship and he can't manipulate you every day in person, then it, it's not going to work as well. You well, know? it's not plus exciting lost, for him anymore. Plus, a lot, he lost interest. But then he did go to Africa and they did have a little bit of a smooch fest and maybe even had sex. I don't know. But basically, after he got back from Africa, he was all about Nicole mm-hmm. and no nobody else. And... Uh, that was okay with Elle anyway because she'd met somebody and everything was going well and, you know, whatever. So, um, Annette, around this time, is ready to she's done she's been reading the right books Mm -hmm. and she's realized that nick it might be a sex addict um she realizes he's probably a narcissist that he's probably a sociopath that uh she's and also that he lied to her and is a total dick bag yeah she's she's starting to realize it on her own but she does need a little bit of help so she goes to a christian counselor and that christian counselor she tells him about what's going on uh he says oh i've heard of nick Uh uh-oh i counseled a few people about him and he says she tells him what what happened and she says you know he told me god wanted us to have sex and she says you know he says you know that's not what happened he wanted you to have sex the devil wanted and the devil wanted you to have sex and she goes yeah 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 and she you know starts to come out of her shell and she starts to kind of talk about it and she feels better and she tells sandy that sandy should go to this counselor talk about it 
because she knows that Sandy's been brokenhearted by the fact that Nick kind of dropped her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sandy goes, and then the counselor actually asks her if he thinks if she thinks that Nick might have killed Don. He asks us to Sandy, and Sandy says. That's ridiculous. I can't believe you would ask me that. And she basically shuts down the interview. Mm-hmm. And he asks Annette the same thing. And Annette says, no, I don't think so. Not at all. Nick's a lot of things, but he's not a murderer. You know, these are, these are who I wouldn't think that my pastor was a murderer. I don't care. Right. You know, like, yeah, it's, but her and her count, Annette and her counselor kind of decide together that maybe she should leave town. And that's like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Mm-hmm. And then her husband says, hey, let's move. And Annette's like, fuck yeah, let's get out of here. So. They move a few hours away, and uh, they move to, basically, it's a community that a lot of their former church people live in. And so she's got gotcha. some friends there, and she's hanging out with one of her friends one day, and her friend is asking her about Nick and the whole scenario and what's going on. And because the church just kind of blew up, and, you know, mm-hmm. Nick was kind of the reason, and, oh, everything's so crazy. And, and she goes, did you ever have a physical relationship with Nick? And it nods. And then she says, I had sex with Nick, and basically... It breaks a wall open that Annette's had up for so long that mm-hmm. she just starts feeling so much better. That she finally told someone who wasn't just a counselor. Mm-hmm. You know, she starts telling. Or maybe she never told the counselor they had sex. Maybe she just told him that there was a manipulation there. Oh, no, because she did. Because he said God yeah. didn't. Okay. But the friend basically says, I forgive you. It's okay. It's not your fault. Mm-hmm. Things like that. She says all the things that a good person says when you're going through trauma. Right. Mm-hmm. And... Annette is pumped, and so she's like, she's pumped up, and then her friend says, you should tell your husband. And Annette says, I know I need to tell him, but I don't know how, don't know when. I'll tell him eventually. And so before she tells her husband, she calls Sandy, and she says, hey, I told my friend about my relationship with Nick, because Sandy knew, mm-hmm. but it was all still kind of cloak and dagger, don't tell anybody kind of right, stuff. Right. And, San- and she basically says, I feel so much better. I'm so glad I got it off my chest. Da, 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 da. And Sandy's like, oh, okay, that's great. Da, 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 da. You know, be careful. You don't want to get whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Sandy's like, I'm going to come visit you. And she's like, yeah, come visit me. So what I didn't know, what isn't clear in the book is that Annette did not know that there was a physical relationship going on between Sandy and Nick. Now, we've all assumed this, right? Like, right. this has been an assumption from day one. Right. But this is a bunch of people who, in my understanding is that San- Sandy is a very godly woman. Mm-hmm. So she's a like an upstanding citizen in the church. The fact that she might be having an affair has never crossed anyone's mind. They think, right. oh, it's an emotional affair, but they don't think anything physical has happened. Right. So Sandy comes to Annette, and she basically says, I had sex with Nick, too. And Annette is like, so angry with sandy i would bet i bet because yeah. annette's been de- been traumatized by this event right like mm-hmm. thing has things have gone it's like her life has gone off the rails and also sandy's literally been lying to everyone forever about this shit mm-hmm. and and that's like fuck you i can't believe what an asshole you are that you never told me you listened to me go through this you made me feel kind of bad for wanting to say something for Mm -hmm. you made me feel like it was only me and you were going through it too also on the other side of it sandy must have been in pain not being able to tell tell somebody she also Mm -hmm. must have been in pain because she had to listen to listen to another woman talk about how she was having sex with her boyfriend right like that's fucked up right yep but nick's like no we're not boyfriend and girlfriend we're just spiritual what a dick Mm -hmm. anyway so (laughs) annette forgives sandy but she just doesn't want the friendship as much as she She just needs some time right and so she kind of backs away and but she decides it's time to tell her husband that about the relationship Mm -hmm. 
And for some reason, she feels like she needs to tell Sandy also had a relationship with Nick. I don't really understand why. I don't think that there there's a reason that she had to tell all the secrets. But she basically tells her husband that... It probably got pretty heated. And... and it came up as like a justification maybe i don't know i mean it to me it's still it's not your place to tell but whatever right. so so annette tells her husband that she had an affair um she tells him the circumstances about behind it that it wasn't really she tells him she had sex with nick she did because it wasn't despite the fact that it was an affair it, to annette it was not an affair right annette to annette it was god's will at first to make Nick feel better after his death of his wife and eventually because God deemed it necessary for mm-hmm. whatever plan it was. She says, I know it wasn't. I know that he was manipulating me. I know what a massive dick he is. He did it to Sandy as well. Da, 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 da. And so the husband basically heads up to the church to talk to PB and tells PB everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the meantime, Annette calls Sandy and says, Hey, I told my husband, she says, what did you tell him about me? And that says, yes, Sandy gets pissed because it's not in her mind. It's not in that place. Right. They've never, they never speak again, but Sandy, because she knows that this is coming out, decides that it's time for her to talk as well. So she goes to her boyfriend because by this point, this is, this is, a, this is uh, three years later. Okay. Three or four years later, um, she's date. She's divorced from her husband, and she's dating another guy. Her, her husband, who is supposed to die. He, by the way, this is a he had. I didn't check on his current level of life or deafness, but he did have to get dialysis for a while. He was a pretty young guy, like thirty three or something, mm-hmm. and he was already on kidney dialysis. So she may not have been entirely wrong, but her timeline was off. Um, well, I mean, like everyone's eventually I, gonna die. I was yeah. gonna say, event- eventually, it it would come true. Like, oh yeah, see, her prophecy was true. He died at the age of 123 <laughs> in his sleep from no disease that we know of yeah got a good point so i need you to i need to tell you this because one of the things that sandy told said to annette told annette and told her boyfriend is that nick essentially did to sandy what he did to annette he manipulated her but sandy unlike annette was very much interested in a love relationship Mm. she wanted this relationship she wanted an affair she thought it would lead to a marriage right so she continued the relationship without question right but how nick got her and this is what she told her boyfriend and i feel like despite the fact that what he's done is terrible you're going to die laughing right now and i apologize to the public and to anybody who's hurt by the story because it's not funny what he's done but he literally said to her let my penis show you what love is And I feel like... Oh, that's so bad. When someone says that to you, they deserve to be made fun of. Yeah. Because that's a terrible, terrible... Now, it could have been in the heat of the moment. Yeah. people say really fucking weird shit to each other when they're in the heat of the moment. So maybe she was just trying to find something in there. But let my penis show you what love is. If you ever say that to me (laughs) when we're having sex, I'm going to punch you in the face. Oh, it's definitely going to happen Oh, I know it is. But in addition to... Let my penis show you what love is. Sandy had something else to tell. And that is that on the day of the murder, Nick called Sandy and said, I did it. At first, she was confused. But at that moment, while she's on the phone with Nick, she had another call from someone at the church telling her Dawn was dead. When she clicked back to Nick, she asked what he meant. And he said, it done. Now, Nicole and Nick had become engaged and were planning to marry in May of 2001. After Annette and Sandy's confessions, however, they postponed the wedding until fall of that year. Nicole was not very fucking happy about it. She didn't know that he was banging the fucking entire universe of women who were he was counseling. Unfortunately for the two of them, 
After Sandy went to the police with what she knew, the police reopened the investigation into Dawn's death, and they re-looked at the fact that Dawn had no smoke in her lungs, and they thought about the paper that seemed to cocoon Dawn in the bed, and they thought about how there was paper in front of the space heater, which was the only heat source in the house, and they thought about the fact that Nick's alibi was a little weird, because he said he left at 5.15 or 5.30 in the morning, but the timeline didn't quite work out for what he and what he had said. Now, they couldn't really rely on alibi witnesses anymore because it'd been three or four years and right. you know, you can't really remember that far back. It's too bad they didn't talk to people right away. Mm-hmm. And plus Al couldn't remember anyway. Right. So after all was said and done, they believed Nick was guilty. And what must have been a double blow for Nicole and her kids and anybody who loved and trusted Nick. Mm-hmm. He was arrested on September 12th, 2001. Yikes. So bad week for that family. Yeah. Sandy was given immunity for her testimony, a move that many question due to her involvement with Nick prior to Dawn's death and her prophecy that Dawn would pass away on a specific date. I don't have anything more to say about that, but Sandy's a victim in this, I yeah, think, more than anything I mean, else. He can't. She's the prophecy lady, though. Like that's what she that's that's what she did, you know. Yeah. So you can't be like. But she was having an affair with somebody and saying his wife was going to die. Well, yeah. You know, it's. But like, I'm just I'm not questioning it. I think Sandy's a victim. I don't think she's I don't think she's yeah. a perpetrator in this. She also said that her husband was going to die and he didn't. Yeah, so, he didn't die. You know, five years to the day after Don's death, December twenty sixth, two thousand two, Nick Hackney was convicted of aggravated homicide and sentenced to life in prison. In 2008, Hackney's sentence was overturned on the grounds that the fire was not an aggravating factor in Don's death, and so he should not have been convicted of aggravated homicide. Mm. He was given 26 years and could be out as soon as 2025. Annette and her husband remained married Good. and had a fourth child on May 19th, 2001. Annette had a C-section, so her baby wouldn't be born on Nick's birthday, May 20th. Nice. Sandy remarried and continues to live a, live simply in the house she shared with her first husband. Nicole and Nick married in 2006. Yep, they got married. And she has her own business. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Elle is married and living in Africa. Now, Nick never got Dawn a headstone for her grave. It was a victim's rights organization that eventually gave her that honor. Wow. That is the tragedy of this case. A woman so supposedly loved and looked up to by all who knew her. They all say what a great person she was. Mm-hmm. Nobody could front the money is... or even a little bit of money. But not only that, she's lost in this ridiculous drama. Yeah. Nick stole so much from her. Mm-hmm. Her chance for children, her hopes and dreams, and eventually her life. All because of manipulations and selfishness. It kills me that I couldn't find out more about her. Yeah. I could not find a, I could not find more than what I found in this about her. That because sucks. no one talks about her beyond, oh, she was so kind and so nice and she was valedictorian and she went to the spelling bee. She all, had to have had other all, shit in yeah. her life. All of all of the bullshit that everyone spouts when somebody dies. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's shitty, man. She deserves better. Yeah. It kills me. But that's the story of Don Hackney's death and the stupidity of her husband. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that gets me about this case is the bastardization of the of the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, he uses 
there's so many more things that this motherfucker said that were just blasphemous as hell. Mm-hmm. And I really, like, I, the whole time I was reading it, I was like, these people are just looking for some focus and a place to go and a mm-hmm. good place to, to worship. And this guy is taking advantage. And mm-hmm. he's he's so full of himself because his parents told him he was ready. He was made for God or, made, or God's son or whatever that he just ruin lives because yeah. of his selfishness well, i mean like i'm neither one of us are particularly religious but like it it's almost embarrassing to think about the fact that that you know this is what is getting portrayed to the public from any any yeah, church because it's not any it church it's not well, it like all. yeah fuck this guy because like i mean he like gives, he gives good people a bad name and now this church has been completely fucking ruined yep. because of one asshole that took advantage of the fact that somebody gave him a modicum of power within this church yep. what the fuck man yeah what the fuck yeah is correct so that's that thank you for listening if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so. Into the Basement Podcast uh, is our Instagram handle, and at Into the Basement is our Twitter handle. And if you'd like to reach us on email, it's thebasementhosts at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from our fans and from people who listen. Um, if you'd like to rate and review us, please do so on any place that you listen. We are happy to see your reviews. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.